Hello and welcome to The Fix, a weekly podcast which brings you the best in business, governance, public policy, education, social development, and many, many more. I'm your host, Morambekwa Katekelelua, and my co-host, Zemano Piri. Every week, we bring you a new topic, an expert guest, and we find ways of fixing this problem. Our topic for today is urban planning and building better cities. Have you ever wondered why your cities look like that, why your towns look like that, why your roads look like that? Well, there's somebody who is doing that. So to get more about this, we have an expert guest who is Mr. Joshua Mwanza. Mr. Mwanza is a graduate of the Copper Birch University here in Zambia. He's studied um, urban and regional planning. He's worked for different local councils and at provincial level, he worked for the Copper for the Central Province Provincial Planning Office in Kabwe, Zambia, and is currently working with the Zambia Correctional Service, where he's an assistant superintendent. Guys, welcome to the fix. Thank you. Thank you for for the for the introduction. Thank you. Glad to be here as as always. Okay. So just to dive into the topic, um, so Joshua, kindly give us an an. Ex- like a brief explanation of what is urban planning. Okay, all right. Uh, urban planning, or what uh, is called as town planning, is uh, is simply a science uh, that deals with uh, organization of development. Okay, so it's simply a, 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 a science that has to handle uh, development control and how do we organize development so one thing is certain is that development is going to occur whether negative or positive development what planning does is to organize that positive development and to make it to make sure that the, the development is necessary or or relevant to to, to society so that's simply planning to ensure that uh, the development is controlled it's organized it's simply planned for in a nutshell i think that is what planning is all about Okay, and uh, as you can say, the people that are in charge of that are called planners, I guess, town planners, urban planners. Yes, uh, the people that are in charge of, of uh, town planning or urban planning are called uh, urban planners or town planners. Uh, each, each district, I think now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, each district in Zambia should have a town planner. There, these are attached under the local government. And then in each province, we should have uh, a provincial planner who is uh, attached for that particular province and monitors development at a provincial level. So we have district level, we have town planners. And at provincial level, we have uh, uh, provincial uh, planners. So there's a department of planning level as well. Okay. So is that the same with the guys that are found at the council or that's different? It's almost the same, but um, the, it's it's uh, it's uh, more of, of what uh, area do they handle? So at the council, you are talking about local government, and then the the provincial office talks about central government. So the difference is that for central government, we're handling a province, all right, and it's going directly to a minister of, of either lands or or whatever. But for Local government, we're talking about dealing with issues for a particular district or a town in a municipality. So that's why the difference is, is, is seen 
in terms of how they handle papers. And then on the other side of things is that there are certain towns which have no planning authority. Okay, so they, they, they have no right to demarcate land. So even if they wanted to demarcate land, they have to involve the provincial office for, for approval and the provincial office has to send its, uh, its personnel on the ground to assess the, assess the, the, yeah, so as we can have effective planning. So this is just a bureaucracy, I guess, of the government, but it is to ensure that uh, there is effectiveness and efficiency. Okay. And then, so, like, what, why, uh, why do you think it is important for communities or government or citizens or people just to plan? What is the importance of planning? Okay. Okay. Um, like, like what is common around people would say, uh, if you don't plan, that means you're planning to fail. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So the importance is that we don't want uh, the system to fail. We don't want to to have a kind of development that fails at a We want our development to be focused, to be relevant, and to be controlled. So and to be organized. So. Uh, to ensure that planning has to take place. So we have to ensure that the, the, the much-needed school that is needed somewhere is built at the right time, at the right place. Okay? The much-needed hospital that is, that, is, that is needed somewhere in Shangombo is built, uh, first of all, for the right people uh, and, 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 and to make it more accessible at the same time at the right place as well. So planning comes into play to make things accessible, easily accessible, to make facilities uh, relevant to the community. Because the thing is that we could build as much as we can, but as long as the people that we're building for are not have not access to what we're building, it becomes a white elephant, which is useless. So we want to build, but these buildings should be relevant to people. I think that's why planning is important. I hope I've answered that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you've given us a brief understanding. So um, just to get a brief history of planning, like what has been the history of planning? Of course, I think ever since the humans have settled somewhere, they've planned. So like what's the history of planning in terms of recorded history? Just on the history, it, it goes back, uh, I, think, uh, I think that's a very wide question. Yes. Uh, it's wider and it's very wide. It goes back to the Roman Empire. I think those are the first people, to the Greeks and the Romans, to, to, to start up anything that is tangible enough to be recorded as a plan in terms of streets, uh, in terms of the type of planning that they had. It was, I think, this kind of planning that was seemingly recorded. Afterwards, it spread and... Um, yeah, and then we're here. In a nutshell, that's, it's where it goes back in the Roman Empire days. That's, that's, that's where we go back. Then coming back to, to Zambia, uh, our planning started actually before uh, independence. So we have got, I think, three phases of, of planning in which these are very dominant phases. So we've got a time before independence, a time during... Uh, the single party system, uh, Kaunda's time, or the UNIP time, and then time after uh, Kaunda, which is Chiloba, and the multi party democracy uh, era. 
why these different phases are, are talked about is because there was a form of planning uh, during Northern Rhodesia uh, before independence, and the planning was very okay. But unfortunately, uh, this planning did not encompass the, the local people, the Zambians. So that's why now we space of uh, uh, places like uh, Makululu in, in Kabwe, where the workers that were working in the mines, the workers that were working in, the, in, in different areas, were not well uh, handled or planned for. So they just ended up settling anyhow so as they can support their families. So that was the time, but some areas were well planned. Uh, in Kabo, we can talk about places like Wangwa. In Dola, we can talk about places like North Rise, um, Kansenshi. All these uh, are places that were planned, but eventually other uh, unplanned settlements came about. These were indigenously owned by black people. So that's, that's the planning before independence. After independence, there was a very inclusive way of planning. Okay, so we saw cities that are very well planned, and uh, uh, there, there was more of a rigid way of planning because not everybody owned their, owned their house or land to, to, to develop. So development was literally done by the local government or the central government in an organized manner. Houses were built in a more organized manner, in a, in a planned manner, using the layouts that were provided at the time. Then things got really bad, I think, after uh, UNIP. After UNIP, then we had people now having rights to build, rights to own property, to own assets. Then now there was now a kafafa way kind of, of, of development. And due to uh, government interference, or political, let me say political interference, uh, the planning was not well controlled. So this is now where we are, where we are seeing a more compromised way of planning. That was quite an interesting account of, uh, of the history of planning. Mm, yeah. Although I'm, I'm wondering whether Africa itself had its yeah. own history of planning. Is, is there any history of planning in the African context or we just borrow from uh, Europe's history of planning? From, from the, the, the problem with the African way is that much of what we have as Africans was not recorded. Okay, so even though they might have existed the form of planning, but was never recorded. And uh, those that passed on the information uh, didn't do a good job to pass it on to a point where uh, uh, data was collected and, and uh, there was an analysis of planning. So I could simply say most of the planning systems or types that we have or that we're using are ones that we have adopted from, from uh, uh, our friends overseas. I think uh, that because there has not been any that uh, has been well recorded from the African perspective or the history part of Africa. Uh, would you say, though, that, uh, for example, would you, like, I mean, just, uh, just to piggyback from what you're saying, would you say, like, the village setup, for example, was kind of a form of planning because, you know, there was the the, yeah, the house yeah. where the, the person lived, the, the parent, the children, like, don't, would you consider that as a bit of a form of planning, even though it was quite basic in terms of 
the way it was, but like a village set up. We don't say that was a planning because maybe some people tried to live near a water stream. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that, that also makes me wonder as well. Yeah, I, I also have the same question. Yeah, no, I think planning in this basic form, if we think of it in that way, anything that has to do with you uh, planning where you want to do things is a form of planning. The question now becomes, is it, is it advanced or is it more, I don't know, a better term to use in this case, is it more, is it applicable to be adopted and used? Because you can as well, yeah, you can live along a stream and then after the flooding, you move away and you go somewhere else. And come to live. It's still a bro planning, but then is it convenient? You know, because you're living just next to a stream. We know that you need water to drink, but can you plan it better to have uh, an access to that water without you literally living along the stream? So yeah, it could be there, um, but the, the 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 negative side of things is that is it a one that we can embrace? and uh, run with and say, well, this is something we can work with. So that, that should be, the, I think, the question to, to your, to your the, the, the answer to your question. That is a very thought-provoking uh, question that you just asked there. What types of planning are there uh, that you, you look at that are regarded as the best types of plans that you can have for an urban area? Wow, okay, okay. And unfortunately, or fortunately, um, currently there are so many different types of plans, okay, when we talk about physical planning. By the way, planning in itself has got three aspects. I think I didn't mention this. Um, there's a physical part of planning, there's an economical part, and the social part. Though, of course, we call it uh, socio-economical planning. So there are practically two. Socio-economical planning, which is social and economical, and there's one that is physical. So what we're talking about now is physical planning, where we are, we are looking at the roads, constructions, where we need to place a school, uh, how do we ensure that uh, the Zesco pole lines are running in, in a form of uniform way. Uh, that's physical, because then we're talking about placement of development. So in physical planning, there are different types of, uh, of plans. Okay? And... Um, there's garden city planning where you have a city and then within around it there's a there's a form of a vegetation or reservation for for forest and whatever and then there's now one that is being used mostly is a mixed kind of planning all right where uh, we encourage so so many different aspects of it of, of planning so we have got uh, streets that are made to be walkable so that we can allow people to walk to work. Okay. And then we have got streets where we, we don't have the CBD centered at one place. Okay. So people can access their, their services within. So, so by the way, not just to cut you short, like for like CBDs, the central business district, if I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You can continue. Yeah, so 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 uh, central business districts we don't have them centered at one place where you you need to move from from Kawata to town or from wherever to 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 that locality. What is it being encouraged now is where we we have these services provided in different residential areas, so as we can allow people to walk 
I don't have a car or, or any other transportation. So walkability is one that has been uh, uh, a type of plan that has been encouraged um, in, in the modern day. Um, of course, cycling is one of them as well. And this is also um, to encourage people from, from, from just using vehicles to being able to access their services without getting on a vehicle. So this is a kind of plan that is very dominant now, but there are different types of planning. It's not a very rigid kind of way that this is an exclusive way of planning, but the, the, the way planning is, it's very dynamic. So it's, 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 it's more of both of a science and an art because uh, one can think of how best you can provide uh, a service to your people without you being rigid to a particular plan. So I, I would go on to mention plans, but I'll simply say people have gone beyond that to do what they think is more workable on the ground. So I think that's, 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 that's how I'll answer the question of what type of plans are there. When I'm walking around uh, every single day, I might not, since I'm not a professional, I'm not a planner, I might not know what type of a plan is prominent in Zambia. What type of a plan do you think is prominent in Zambia? The mixed one, or is it um, the other one? Uh, in Zambia, I would say, uh, in Lusaka, we, we don't have a prominent one, though, here in Zambia, but we, I can mention that Lusaka is, is slowly becoming a mixed way of planning. So uh, we, we are seeing a situation where in Lusaka, uh, services are being provided in individual uh, residential areas. So you find Kawata has got its own kind of a CBD arrangement, you've got a market area, you've got even uh, a business area, we've got all those things. You, have got, you go to North Mid, North Mid has got uh, office spaces. It's got, uh, so we, we, we have seen that coming into play here in Osaka. Uh, but, but I wouldn't say the same for, for different towns because I haven't moved around. But they, they, we, we, we are seeing different types of planning around the country. So there's not one that is very distinctive, I would say, for now. But, but okay. I've, noticed, I've noticed that from the few years that I've worked with the councils, I've noticed this drastic move towards mixed way of planning. So I, I, I think we, all, all towns should be able to uh, embrace this idea as we go forward into the future. Uh, so like for residential areas, one thing that I, I observe is that if you look at the old, like the old colonial kind of, maybe it's a pre-colonial residential areas, they tended to be, um, compared those to the ones that we have now, like the new land that they're giving out for plots, so maybe, I don't know if it, maybe it's the post, post-colonial, the ones, find that the, the, the current ones tend to have a grid, like, you no know, square grid type, and then the old colonial had, like, whereby it's, it's a curve, like, you know, it was a bit mysterious. Do you think maybe there's, like, a difference in terms of, like, in terms of not just the, plant, the town itself, but, like, in terms of residential areas where people are living, like, the old ones needed to have, like, curvy, crescents, all type of things which would, like, make it a bit mysterious. And then the new ones tend to have, like, a blocked type of allocating of land. That I mean, it's quite distinct if you look at some of these residential areas. Yeah. So, uh, though I didn't get the question, are, are you asking why they are different? 
I'm, I'm maybe like, yeah, why are they different? And is that like a difference in terms of how they are organizing the residential areas? Or yeah, or maybe it's like there's a difference, like because some one looks so blocked, like a block, like a grid yeah. type. The other one looks like it's more of curvy. It's got crescents. It's got like a bit of you know. It's not in a way of a straight line, straight lined ones. I don't know if there's. It's a deliberate move, or it's. It's just a way of the modern way or different way of planning residential areas. Uh, sometimes it might be that, it, it, you know, uh, planning is, like I said, it's more of an art and a science. So the creativity of the planner comes into play. And then you find that making a grid uh, plan system is a little bit more easier because you have got roads intersecting at 90 degrees, which is the right way of doing things. So. Uh, how do you intersect a road that is Kevin at 90 degrees? There has to be some form of uh, calculation and one or two things. So trying to avoid that, I think most planners in, in, in now would rather now deal with what is easy to intersect a road at 90 degrees. So I think that's the reason why, I don't know if I'm answering the question or not, but then that's the reason why we're seeing that being done. It's more of on the creativity side of the planner, but it, it, it's, I think it's not a problem. But it's just more of a creativity and how to beautify an area. How do we ensure that the area is very appealing to the people? So I, I think that's that's the reason why. Okay, um, let's talk about a common problem that we see around Zambia, the issue of um, shanty compounds. For those people who might not live in Zambia, uh, shanty compounds are slums to us, what you would refer to as slums. So now, these areas, what do you personally think could be the solution to having such clustered areas that have no form of planning at all in terms of, um, well, making them better urban areas? What could be done okay. from your own opinion? Uh, there are different ways. I think some of the ways are being done. I know of, uh, of Makululu in Kawe, which has been upgraded from, uh, from uh, an, an informal settlement to to an upgraded settlement or something like that. I don't know what they call it now. But uh, I think the change, there the, the are already systems put in place to ensure that these settlements are, are being upgraded. But then, you know, um, the, in, the inflow of people into these urban areas creates these unplanned settlements. To control them becomes difficult because we're talking about displacement of people. All right, people that have illegally settled somewhere, and then you are planning to to organize that settlement, it becomes literally very difficult, and sometimes it calls for uh, a displacement of people from where they're they're staying. Now, displacement of people becomes a very political inclined thing. Okay, where the council says, "Well, uh, we want you people that are here." that uh, have not legally settled here and, and you have no papers for staying here, we want to move you from this area. It becomes a very political issue. So because of that, uh, the upgrading of these settlements are very difficult here in Zambia. And then uh, the, the inflow of people from uh, different areas to urban areas, from rural areas to urban areas, has continued, it has not slowed down, no. It has continued, and this has also worsened the the move to upgrade these settlements. Because uh, even though there is a desire to do that, but these settlements are just increasing by by day. They are, they are they're expanding each day. Okay, so the the ideas are there because 
most of the times what they what what is done is the introduction of uh, services helps to upgrade these settlements. For example, I will use Makulur because one of the biggest unplanned settlements, which is now becoming planned, is that the introduction of roads and the introduction of uh, of drainages, the introduction of service lines like uh, service utility lines, uh, the poles, the Zesco poles, and the like. It brings out a level of uh, just just for any for like by the way, Zesco is like the Zambia electrical company, the company supplies electricity in Zambia. Oh. So, can continue. Yeah. So, so the, the the bringing in of these services demands a level of planning. So, the moment you begin to 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 plan for these services, you are initiating an upgrade for the settlement. So I think this is a, a good approach that we're doing, but it's been very difficult to implement it because of um, of the, the the political nature of of the job itself that requires displacement of individuals that are living there. So yeah, it's been done. Solutions are there to upgrade settlements, but it's a, it's a difficult one. Upgrading settlements are very difficult because of of how people have settled around the areas and the, the issue for me is that okay we uh, like you have already said we're putting drainages in these places we're putting uh power uh, power grids within these places but aren't we creating a problem we're not are, are we really solving the problem or are we creating another problem that will need to be solved in the future because the issue is i for one feel like what could be done is uh building of flat um multi-story buildings which house which could house multiple of these individuals and then you put them within there a, 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 a government effort to do that could work to make those areas planned i don't know what your thoughts are about uh, this idea that that i feel could be the solution oh. to such a problem no it's a very good i think rwanda is doing that is it uh Gami, the president of rwanda there's an initiative to do that. They, 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 um, they literally had to, to displace people, and the government had built story buildings, uh, some flats of how I don't know how many blocks that was. Uh, but I didn't follow up the story very well. But uh, I think I think Uganda, um, Rwanda, should be Rwanda or Uganda has already done that as a pilot project in a particular town, and I think it's working for them. But then, you know, such kind of projects, because we're talking about huge numbers of people, they are very difficult to implement, knowing that our budget is already stressed. Okay, so uh, we, we might have that idea, but uh, the implementation that comes with it is very difficult, especially at the local government level, because the local government is already uh, uh, stuffed with money, and I think... Maybe in this new government, there is there is there is hope as well going forward, but it's a long way forward. It's it's it's, it's an uphill battle, so we we can only hope for the best. But it's a good idea. It's a good idea that the finances and the revenues might not be enough to to cut. It. Because if if we talk about private investors coming on board, that means uh, those will be about profit maximization. Okay, so if we say okay, let's involve private sectors uh, into into these uh, private companies to invest into these projects, uh, they will come on board, but 
for them, uh, if they were putting bonds, equity, whatever, but at the end of the day, all these issues for them will mean profit maximization. And then we're talking about poor people who have settled illegally, who will not even manage to buy a house. So displacing them already is a problem, and then telling them to pay for a house is, is going to be a double problem. Okay, the, so I think that's the, that's what the problem. The the issue is okay. We know Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, oh yeah. That not that that one is very well. It's it's very oh, yeah. clear. But can it be done? Is it feasible? Can we do it in 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 Zambia? We don't necessarily have to displace these people and. Uh, uh, immediately get a, get them off the settlements they have settled on, but could we do it at another location, build those flats, and then get them rising gradually over time until we are able we we've we've reached hundred percent project completion? Is it feasible? The feasibility is uh, the one thing that I feel we could look at whether it could actually be done. It, it can be done. It can be done. Like you have said, Rome was not built in a day. So one step at a time would help. But again, you know, uh, these, these are, uh, um, it's feasible. I think we can, we can end there. But then we are talking about um, a system that is, is so compromised so much as if we started a project now and the project runs for 10 years, the likelihood that uh, after five years, the change of government is, is likely to affect the progress of that particular project. Uh, so you, you sometimes see or witness projects being uh, stored because the government has been changed and people who had interest in that project have, have been retired or, or all those things. So those are issues that we are able to look into. And if we're able to sort them out, I think we, we are able to do that. I think that would be a good idea. Um, so I wanted to, okay, like, so on this topic of uh, unplanned settlement, I mean, it is something that is worrying, uh, especially in the talk of social services like uh, water, drainages, and um, I, I do see that there are some, uh, like you said, uh, upgrading that is taking place in terms of trying to bring in social services there, but there are issues of also like policing is also a challenge because you know some places the roads are so impassable that when somebody makes commits a crime for the police like getting to those areas can be a challenge so i think maybe finding ways of like working within that maybe bring in other services because speaking of the road part i remember I, there's, there's a guy that I know who used to stay in Makuru and you'd be like, oh, I stay in road two, road 10, road what? Road, like they've tried to make those roads as well, of, uh, trying to, I don't know, find ways of passing. Yeah. So I think uh, fixing these unplanned settlements would be something. I mean, I personally here live on a high-rise apartment in, here in Kawata, in Osaka, Kawata, but I, when I look at the number of, because I think there are over 28 like houses or units in here. So I still think that if if something like uh, building a, like building high rise, it can actually gobble up a lot of people and then other land, the other land can be used for other things, I think. So the next thing part I wanted to talk about is that one thing that I've observed is that um, these days there's a, a very little emphasis on green spaces, you know, like, where when these people are planning for like uh, land or plots, like 
like uh, pieces of land for people to to sell. We've seen situations where plots, like a, a, an area which was reserved for a green green spaces, like a park, uh, um, a playground for people, kids, or recreational stuff, are being taken over by builders, people just constructing their stuff. I mean, why? How do you like what? Are these people like are the planners? Are, are they are they missing out this thing? Are they forgetting about it about recreational you know green spaces? Because you find that a very huge area there's nothing for green space for recreation. I mean, where are these young people going to be playing from or just going to sit under in a park? I don't know what is happening. Are planners forgetting about that green spaces. That's a good one. I think if if um, uh, if you did take time to go and visit um, uh, a, a council one day, and then you ask them to produce a layout plan for a district or a neighborhood plan that they have done, and they are selling plots in that area, or or anything, but if you ask them to produce layout plans, you would be shocked to find that, in terms of of the planners themselves. And, and being able to plan, they have done a tremendous good job. Okay? The, the problem now comes into the implementation of what's on the plan. Because most of the times you find that the plans uh, are, are, are all inclusive. Uh, they are all inclusive. You, you find that uh, uh, the recreational centers are there. You find that the road reserves are there. You find that the buffers are there. You find that... Uh, 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 you find 100 meters before um, a river is left as a buffer. You find that if it's a highway, some meters are left uh, before how people start building. You know, uh, you find that uh, recreational centers are built uh, for each population projected for that particular neighborhood. So all these factors are put in place. The reserves, the land reserves, the land uh, recreational centers. Uh, the, the, the green areas within land, the parks, all these areas are there. But the problem comes into the implementation. So during the implementation part of it, you find that uh, uh, there are so many interested parties, even from outside, people that were not uh, supposed to, to come in. And uh, because of, 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 of the political nature of land, uh, you find that the place which was left to be a reserve or a buffer zone between maybe water and the residential area, you find people building there. Okay? Some have even gone down to build in a river in the dry season. And then when it comes during the rain season, no government is to have with because uh, there is now water here. But uh, this was a buffer. It was not supposed to be used as a, you know, it was just in the dry season that we didn't have rains. So the problem there is a challenge of, of uh, a political interference in the, in the implementation of the plans, as well as, uh, I think, lack of manpower on the part of the, of the council. Because someone was asking me, they're they like, uh, why, why do we have councils come to demolish houses when people have already built? And I had to answer him, I said, well, you know, councils are, are, do not have manpower to to inspect each and every area every day. So you find by the time they're coming back to your area to inspect that area, you could have built legal, uh, illegal, sorry, and uh, they, they have to demolish. 
uh, to ask where they were. They were, of course, going around elsewhere and doing some paperwork in their offices. And because the manpower there is very limited, and, you know, even just movements at council sometimes is a problem. People have to use their own vehicles to, to go on the sites and see what people are doing. So we, we can only hope that as we go forward, things may change. But uh, in the past, that was a challenge. So you find that uh, inspections were done, but uh, the rate at which they were done were very slow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's so it's the implementation to why certain uh, amenities are not there is because of, 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 of lack of manpower and uh, interference on the plans. So they have a plan. But someone else comes and does something else on the ground. So, Mr. Joshua, yes, Mr. Joshua. So, um, for for me, a person, a layman, and our dear listener out there who might not understand why having green spaces and recreational facilities are important, please, can you just give us a, a brief explanation of why it's important to have these green spaces and? Uh, amenity and uh, recreational facilities? Okay. Uh, first of all, a, a city is a, is a functional body and a city has got different aspects of, of it. We have got different population sizes. So uh, as we plan, we don't consider one population alone. We consider the entire population. So we, we say, well, for, for the adults, what do they need? Okay. For, 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 the, for the males, uh, what do they need? Uh, for, for the children, what do they need? So even the children are part of, of, of the system, so we cannot neglect them. So in, in, in terms of uh, recreational centers, these are important for the functionality of the society. So to have a few football pitch, uh, to have uh, a netball, a park, all these are necessary for the nurturing of our children, to see them grow to become productive. Then on the side of, uh, of, of green spaces, uh, these help, there's what we call helping the, the city breathe. These help the city to breathe. So if we have got trees and there's a green area, it helps for people to, to have an atmosphere where they could relax and, uh, and have a stress-free moment. And this is very important for the city. Okay. And then some of these green spaces that you see are not sometimes uh, recreational centers or these are some, some of them are just reserved. It might be a, a road reserved for the future because there is always an expectation that this road might be expanded. So you might see it as a, a green area or you might have just left a, a space here. Yeah. But then it might be a buffer or, or a, a road reserved for the future expansion. Uh, so these green spaces are not, they have got reasons why they are there. They, they're not just there for, for show or anything. So if it's a green space, it might be that that area was left as a, as a buffer from, from the highway to the residential areas, or it might have been left as a road reserve for potential road expansion. So there's always a reason to why these green spaces are there. I hope I've answered the question. Definitely. You have given me some really valuable insight there. The listener has gotten some really uh, valuable information from that explanation you just gave there. And I wanted to speak on, I mean, you have talked about like uh, green spaces, like some of them are left for road expansion. And 
uh, I have seen that uh, some roads, like if you look at like some of the roads these days that are being made, there's like the main road where you're seeing people passing. Then you've got some lanes where uh, like for pedestrians. But then sometimes, sometimes you find that um, some of the roads that we have, you know, because most people would think like a car accidents are mostly just accidents, just mostly for vehicles and. Uh, and one vehicle hitting another vehicle, but you also have accidents where a, a car hits a bicycle, you know, a car hits a person. So uh, for me, it's like, how do you think we can make roads that are inclusive in terms of, because sometimes, it's, many of the times when you find a road that is quite small, outside, I don't, I don't know if I use the word narrow, but small, like whereby after the road, there's maybe like, I don't know, a shop or something, and there's no space for, let's say, people to walk, motorbikes, bicycles, human beings, you know, like everybody's just stuck in that same road, and there isn't much space. I know like some roads are being improved, but then how can we also increase like make roads that are inclusive for even people that are disabled you know somebody who's blind can we have how can we make roads that are inclusive for blind people people that are able dif um, differently abled anyway like inclusive roads for i don't know how do you think we can solve that issue anyone can take up that question anyway uh well for me i think the solution is um having roads that have uh, differently abled people in mind as you as, as someone is designing them the current roads like we like mr joshua here has already alluded to we have a problem where politics interferes with the work of planners planners might have already planned for such kinds of facilities to be put in place but well politics kind of um, ruins that whole um, provision of that facility so the issue here is 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 politicians realizing how important the work of a planner is and letting them do their job as they're supposed to be doing it because those roads do uh, have to have special they have to have um they are they're supposed to be made in such a way that okay well cyclists are supposed to be on their own on their own side uh walking freely, safely. Uh, people who are differently abled, uh, probably moving on a wheelchair, can move safely without being uh, afraid for their lives. People who are blind being able to move safely on their own separate uh, part of the road, which has been specifically made for them. But the, the issue we are seeing currently, especially here in Zambia to be specific, is our roads have been created so narrowly in places where they're not supposed to be created because the, consult, the, the consultation is not really there. Uh, po politics kind of tries to overrule the work of a planner. And that's really a huge issue that us here in Africa, us here in Zambia, we constantly, we need to start thinking about and uh, try and solve. Thinking about it is the first step. That's how we can actually get to those types of roads which are inclusive for every type of physical um, state that someone is in. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, on top of it, or is that, uh, you know, there's, um, 
there's a drive by the planners themselves to have an all-inclusive plan. There's a, there's a document that every district or every planning department is developing now from the from our from our from our acts that our act demands that an IDPS be produced. An IDPS is an integrated development plan by a council. So uh, it is an all-inclusive plan that involves all stakeholders within the community or, or society. All right. So you you find a situation where uh, a planners go on the ground and they meet uh, with chiefs and they sit down to talk to them about they meet with religious people, uh, the blind, uh, all stakeholders of the community. So uh, to say that the, the planning, planning has, has had a deaf ear towards the people's uh, desires, and I don't think that uh, that that would be true. But the problem now would be what I said earlier on, uh, the issue of implementation uh, and the issue of, uh, of lack of land. For example, I was in, I think it was part of a few years ago, I was impressed by the fact that there is an extension on the main road to include uh, bicycles. So bicycles literally have uh, their own uh, ways uh, to to cycle in. Okay, and that's very good. It's like there's a deliberate intention by the planners in Sparta to encourage people to to cycle. So the same also, I think, uh, can be done here. The only difference with these other districts is that uh, sometimes you find that you need to build a road, but you don't have enough space. But a road is needed. It's a must of the road there. So and then you have got limited uh, funds. You cannot do a very fancy one. So. You, you end up doing what is acceptable and what can work. Not that you wanted it that way, but because funds are limited and you cannot do something beyond what you can do. So, so in as much as uh, it's all inclusive, but at times we, we do not have uh, enough funds to do what, what is necessary to be done. Is it possible for us to have, like, uh, I don't know, I'm just thinking now, like, a car-free, car-free areas, you know, like just an area where there's a road, but like they've just blocked oh, yeah. cars for people to move. I know it's being implemented in some cities like around the world where it's and, just and, a car-free zone. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I've, I've implemented that and it's working. Uh, I, I think we can do that here in Zambia. I don't know, I've not gone around the country to check where, but I, I, mean, I, I must believe that it's already somewhere. Because it's something that has existed for, for quite a long time now. And, uh, well, in Zambia, not so many people own cars, especially in these other districts. So, in a way, some of those places are um, car-free zones, <laughs> if you may if you may say. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. That, that's, that's, that's actually a great, a great idea where places... Okay, you know what? It's it's not always about driving, yeah. you know. Sometimes you got you have to take a walk, man. You really have to take a walk. And those places, uh, they're good for your health, and they should be something that I believe we should be implementing in our country. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we should reach a point where people even stop buying vehicles. If they want to use a vehicle, they would rather use a public transport or a train. You know, uh, I mean, I think those are the areas or avenues we should now start thinking towards. Especially here in Osaka, where uh, you're better off having a bicycle uh, or a bike going to work than, 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 than a car, because the car, first of all, will be expensive on the road, 
And secondly, you consume so much time to reach your destination. So yeah. I think those are we should be talking about in terms of what we should be able to be like here. Yeah, very true. And you know, the, 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 the crazy thing about cars is this. Those things, as much as we all want them, they're busy killing the earth. You know, there's global warming. We've, we've got all these um, um, carbon emission issues as a result of cars. I mean, he, like, for example, here in Zambia, countries in the West uh, are getting into a state where they're now moving away from uh, gasoline cars, petrol engine cars, diesel engine cars, going towards electric cars. But that technology here in Zambia is, well, we are not seeing it anytime soon. So no, I think no. it, a deliberate effort for of people just thinking about walking and uh, not driving, you know, not fancying a car would be really good for the environment, especially. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I agree with you. And um, actually, I wanted to find, like, just to get, like, you got your... I actually see a, a situation where, as the population is increasing, the population is growing, then there's this thing where, uh, like, you find... Areas where uh, people have built so close to the roads, to the main roads, caused by narrow roads that can be expanded because people just built too close to the to the main roads. I don't know if you see that. Demolition of houses is there. In fact, um, uh, some of the time that we were preparing to do this geocarriageway, Cabo Lusaka. There were houses that were earmarked for demolition. And then there was a process that was done. If you did not have papers, I don't know, I don't know exactly, let me not uh, go, go in details, but uh, I think if you didn't have papers, you, your house would be demolished. But I think you found uh, something like that, and then you start to be corrected. And then if you do have papers, you are automatically funded, even after the house is demolished. So I, I think the idea of demolishing houses is there and this one has been made. I think that's one reason why uh, the dual coverage has not yet uh, kicked off because of the same uh, of, of the issue of, uh, of, 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 uh, of repayment of, uh, of the demolished house and of, I think because it was quite costly, especially on the part of the government. Um, Mr. Joshua, I think now let's let's talk policy, you know. In our current world, policy leads to change. We identify a problem, and then that problem, especially here in Africa, uh, first of all, we get if, if, if we're getting to an area where we want our governments to actually act on these problems, we need policy. So to make planning better in Zambia, what type of policies do you think that the government of Zambia should put in place, uh, you know, to have those better cities that we we hope for, we hope to see in the future. Those nice cities where everybody is able to uh, walk properly within the streets, get the the social amenities that are supposed to be provided for them. Please, uh, I think policies are in place. Um, like I said earlier, on it's not a matter of policies; it's a matter of of of, uh, of interference on these policies. Because in 20, it should be 2015, I stand to be corrected as well, uh, an act was done. For the first time we have now, the Urban and Regional Act of 2015 or 2011, I should be over two. And, and when that was done, there was an establishment of, um, of, uh, of the Zambia Institute of Planners. Okay? 
So all these uh, bodies were put in place to monitor planning in the country, to, to, to play the advisory role to the government on the issues of planning. Uh, policies were put forward even by the, the, the board itself, the Zambia Institute of Planners. Uh, by the way, they're having a conference in Livingston, I think, this week. They should have commenced by now. So uh, uh, all these things are talked about under these conferences, and uh, policies are made, uh, very good policies towards uh, uh, sustainable development, sustainable construction, sustainable uh, cities. All these issues are discussed, but then uh, when these issues are brought forward and, and accepted, the issue becomes implementation because uh, uh, there is so much that is happening on the ground that uh, people that are seated in offices and making policies are not aware of. I think the, the policies are not, for me, an, a bigger issue because policies have been put forward, the regulations, the acts have been put forward, but the issue is... Um, uh, uh, implementation because even just planning for you to plan you have to have a license to plan for you just to do a demarcation of a land but we see people that are not, not even planners doing that so just the implementation of what we have put in place is, is where we need to start from not the policies okay uh, in terms of now implementation since we've already we've already figured out uh, cleared that part out where we're saying policy is already in place but implementation is the issue a word to these guys who are supposed to implement uh, the proper planning that is supposed to be there. Just a word for them. Well, wow. <laughs> a, a word would be <laughs> that uh, we should realize that we only have one Zambia and one nation. And um, there's something that I learned in planning called spirituality in planning. Uh, it's an aspect of, of, of planning where as a planner, you are responsible and you're mindful of your actions and mindful that your actions will affect people around you. So as implementers of decisions that, we have, that are made, we should always remember that planning is for the people. And, uh, and as we are implementing, we should not be too selfish to think of how, do I, how can I build here in a buffer zone? How can I build a house there? How can, I, how can I take advantage of that? I think for you as an implementer, yours is to ensure that the people are satisfied, the people are happy, and the city is well developed and organized. So that's, that's my wait for any implementer of a plan out there. Uh, so wow, just, wonderful. I hope they are listening. <laughs> just, to, just to get in, um, uh, maybe I just wanted to just talk about one part, which is uh, the human capital in itself, you know, because uh, I wanted to find out, on, uh, like, for people, you know, I don't know how many planners we have, like how many they are dispersed around the country. So, like, for how do you think maybe increasing the number of planners in towns and cities and that like the human capital with the human like the number of people that are trained to practice the planning like how do you think maybe we can increase the number yeah. in terms of yeah. planning and just the human people human capital of it in terms of the uh, human resource in the area of planning uh, i would say planning is a, it's still a growing child the profession is not well known to people uh, at the time that I was going to do planning myself at CBU, I didn't know what it was. I just started doing it. I, in fact, my initial idea was to become an architect. 
it's only that I had some only issues there and there. Then I found myself doing planning. So at the time that we were graduating, in fact, we were only about 21 or 19. That's the whole country from CBU. So that gives you an idea of how uh, small the, the profession is. So uh, going forward, I believe that uh, if we can, first of all, um, uh, solidify the, the, the syllabus of planning, uh, especially at CBU, uh, ensure it comes out as a very tangible and realistic um, program, then afterwards we can as well spread the program to other you know, institutions. Uh, currently, I, I think that uh, the number of planners in the country is very few. And among those few, we have people like me who are not practicing planning. Okay, we, we are planners quite okay, but we're not actually practicing because we are doing something else. And then on top of that, uh, we have got those that have joined as planners quite okay, and they're working in local government, maybe in the central government, but uh, they don't feel motivated enough to continue. So you find two years down the line, they, they stop working because you find that the local government has not been paying them for three months. You know, and how is it going to feed this family? So you find that planning sometimes, planners drop out and they, they look for greener pasture. So in as much as we want to expand the profession, we should look at how best to, to solidify what we have by, by solidifying the, the content at CBU and as well as uh, ensuring that people that are already working as planners are well motivated to do their job. I think it will, it will help for the human resource or the human capital. Okay, so just like another part I wanted to find out was um, just, you know, with all these cons like this, the constraints that the, 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 the planners go through, what do you think or what would you point out some of the achievements that maybe as the planning industry, like a planning area in Zambia, with all these challenges that we've talked about, like what are some of the, you know, achievements that you've seen that they're doing, you know, that at least they are trying their best to work with the literature so that they have, like what are some of the achievements that you think? Is the information and the, the passing of the bill that planners, I think, all over the country pushed forward for, uh, the law, the, the planning act, of, uh, it should be 2011, 2011 or 20, 2015, I don't, I'm not really sure. That one was a real uh, big step forward. Before it was town planning, now it's Urban and Regional Act, which uh, enforces certain things that were very dormant in the past, especially the issue of uh, practicing only if you are licensed to practice as a planner. So I, I, I think that was a great step towards uh, the right direction. Then the issue of establishing our Zambia Institute of Planners, um, I think that was also a step forward. This was done uh, practically by planners all over the country that felt, well, we need to establish our own institute to monitor uh, planning, to advise, to regulate as well in the place of regulation. And this uh, institution is enshrined in the act. So it's, it's something that is, is, is quite good. Okay, so I think, uh, well, that has, this has been a very interesting, interesting topic. Um, yeah, I've quite learned a lot of things, you know, at least now I'll be like, oh, what's that thing over there? And at least I've got some information and uh, I've, 
at least I've learned something and I've, I'm, I'm a more informed person on this topic. And I hope more people that are going to listen to it are going to get more information. I don't know, Emmanuel, if you can add something. Yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot today. I now know there are three types of, uh, of, of planning, you know, and I didn't know that. <laughs> before before this conversation but yeah that was quite enlightening and those are some really some really real issues especially here in in, in Zambia that people are facing issues to do with having properly planned settlements it might seem like a small issue to a person who does who hasn't given it much thought but it's a huge issue because having a properly planned uh, city is a way towards development especially for countries that are developing and yeah that was that was a really great conversation really i enjoyed it what's your reflection on just this overall topic uh, i think this is good this is this is um, the platform i think she's one that should be encouraged um, my overview is that uh, they, they should be a, a special heart of uh, uh, planning in, in policies implementation. So uh, planning should not be neglected. It should be one that should be at the center of things. So whenever there is a need to develop, planners should be always consulted. I think that will help us to, to, to develop into the country that we want to see five, four, seven years from now, and for, for the betterment for our children as well. Yes, I think that's my view. Okay, so thank you guys for featuring on the show, and uh, it's been a really informative and uh, good conversation. Um, and to the listeners, uh, thank you. I hope you, you've, you'll tune in next episode that we'll be bringing. And uh, this has been The Fix. Thanks, guys. Thanks.